0: Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to thank you and also our overflow room. I was just in our overflow room worshiping, excuse me, and there will be a Sunday that I preach from that room. I don't know how we're going to do it with technology, uh, but that is the promise that I will preach from there, and y'all will see me on the screen. It might not happen, but that's what we're talking about. So good morning, and we welcome you. Man, I got goosebumps this morning. I'm just going to tell you, the worship was amazing. And to watch Daniel up here. Some of you know Daniel. Some of you know Daniel Knolenberg. And let me explain kind of the backstory here. 11 years ago, the first person I met apart from the search committee here at River Oak was a guy that went by the name of Topher. Christopher was his name. Daniel's father. He went by Topher. I remember I met him at Starbucks. And the first time I met him, he said, uh, are you bringing any sidekicks with you? I said, excuse me? He said, well, you're in a new pastor. A lot of new pastors bring their own music with them. Like I have a band or something. I'm like, no, I don't have... I don't have Heath in the, in the band with me. I said, no, you know, I, I would love for you, you know, to lead us in worship. And I would watch him on this stage. And he shared with me that 15 years earlier, he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Two young boys, Andrew and Daniel. Andrew's his older brother. Yeah, Andrew was my father's worship pastor. He's now serving as a worship pastor in Illinois. And Daniel, two young boys, diagnosed with a brain tumor. Doctor gave him two years to live. He and his wife, Vicky, as maybe she was on the stage last week leading us in worship, prayed that God would allow them to raise their boys. 20 years later, I met Topher at Starbucks, and I would watch him on the stage 11 years ago. The stage looked a little bit different. This looked a little bit different. There was about 300 people here. There was one service, uh, green cinder block walls, which was kind of ugly, but this was the setting that we were in, and Topher would lead with his heart in worship. And I remember I walked back from worship one time, and I kind of tripped on a bucket. And I'm like, why does somebody got a random bucket behind the stage? And I asked one of the band members, they said, oh, that's for Topher because of his chemo through the week. There are times that he has to go back there, and he's sick. And then he comes back out here, and he would lead God's people to praise the God of this universe. There's power in that, okay? Two years ago, Daniel, his youngest son, was also diagnosed with a brain tumor, Year and a half ago, last May, he had surgery to remove that brain tumor. And this morning this young man's on the stage leading us to the throne of God. Come here, Daniel, come here, how cool is that? You know? Love you, Daniel. Let me tell you, come here. Two And again, I'm not highlighting a person, I'm highlighting a heart for the Lord. I want to say that, but I'm telling you, one of the most powerful services I've ever been is when Topher went home to be with Christ, and you're going to see you're dead again, and we know that, and we're going to laugh for all of eternity because he's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. His funeral was one of the most powerful things. To watch his two boys on this stage and his wife praising Jesus is an awesome thing. God's got his hand on this young man. God bless you, brother. Love you, man. Yep, absolutely. God bless you. All right. We're going to go. Take your Bibles. I'm going to talk fast this morning. I usually talk real, real slow. (laughs) Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, whatever you call them, Habakkuk. Go to Matthew and take a left, okay? So so if you're not sure, go to where it splits, Matthew and Malachi, and take a left. And we walk back five books, Malachi, oh, y'all, my spiritual service, come on, here we go, Malachi, Zephaniah, I would have given you free coffee if you would gotten that one. The next one is what? Haggai. Zachari- These are books of the Bible, people, all right? <laughs> Zechariah, and then we come to Habakkuk. Again, I, this has really become, I think, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I was not very familiar with it, just to be quite honest with you. It's three chapters, 56 verses all together, and it's so relevant for today. I, I think that's the thing that's impacted me the most, to think about that here's a book 2,600 years ago. Okay, so we're talking about 600 years before Christ. We're talking about before the promise, the greatest promise, the promise of a Savior has come to light. Right? It comes all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 3.15, right? Sin enters into humanity. The the, the, the enemy says, okay, I have won. He declares victory. God says, absolutely not. And he proclaims right there a prophecy of the coming Redeemer, the Messiah, right? Out of the seed of the woman. What is he speaking of? The virgin birth. That what? You will, you will crush, or you will, you will, what does he say? You will bruise his heel, but he will crush the head of the enemy. And so proclaiming victory of a Savior that was to come. And so we see it through the prophets, through the minor prophets. You see kind of this appointed time promise that was yet to come. And we see that in back And you're going to see that even in some of the phrases of these verses that are very familiar. And it kind of takes our minds to the connection that we're going to make as we move into Christmas the fulfillment of the promise of a Messiah. But the context of this book, man, things are awful, okay? Habakkuk is looking at his land, he's looking at his people, and he's thinking, what is going on? We are the covenant people of God. People have turned from God, people are displaying idols, their sin is running rampant, and so here is Habakkuk, a man of God, who comes to God and says, God, how can you still be holy, how can you still be righteous, ultimately, how can you still be God, and all this stuff over here is happening? Same question we ask. I mean, look at our world today, have you ever asked that before? How can God, we believe it and we proclaim it, sits on his throne, and yet allows the evil and the injustices of the world, it's the same thing. And so Habakkuk is trying to reconcile who he knows God is, and that's critical to the chaos that's in front of him. And listen, this is our story. This is my story. How do I reconcile what I read in that book of who God is and who I am in Christ, and then how do I bring that together with the stuff that's going on in my life? When you can't see the hand of God, you trust what? the heart of God. I'm going to repeat it every week. When you can't see the hand of God, you have to trust the heart of God. And that's what Habakkuk does. In the chaos and the confusion, he reminds himself of who God is, and he stands in that place. I'm going to invite you to stand with your Bibles if you would. A little bit of a catch-up, right? Chapter one, it begins with a burden. Right up front, chapter one, this dude is burdened. And the Bible says that he's consumed by this burden. He cries out to God. I think we can relate in chapter 2, I mean in verse 2, where he says, how long shall I cry? This is a man that, again, we, we, we can identify with. He says, God, are you there? Where are you at? And then in verse 5 of chapter 1, God speaks. He says, you're going to be utterly astounded. And he answers Habakkuk's prayer. And it was not what he was thinking, right? He says, well, I'm going to bring the Babylonians as a tool for judgment, If I'm a God of promises, I fulfill promises, right? And I told you guys, my covenant people, you keep my covenant, you walk in my ways, there will be blessings. But if you go against it, there will be judgment. And you see the suffering, or the long suffering of God in this, right? I mean, prophet after prophet, hundreds of years that he has sent men to turn his people back to him. And they've continued to go their own way. So if he is a God of promises, he's a God of judgment. And he's bringing judgment through The Babylonians, and Habakkuk is trying to reconcile this thing. Look at what happens here. Let's begin in verse 1, chapter 2. The words of Habakkuk, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the wall, basically the watchtower. Here's Habakkuk going to the watchtower of the city, and he says, I'm going to stand here and keep a lookout, right? The Babylonians are coming, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to hear the word of God. Look what he says. I set myself on the wall and watch to see what he, capital H, God, will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. I love that. He understands that he has faulty thinking. God needs to change his mind. I love that. Then the Lord answered me. Look at verse 2. And said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Don't under, again, don't underestimate this. Here is God saying, write my words down. That's a big deal. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. What promise are you holding on today? Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. He's now using them in contrast to who God's people are. They're consumed by pride. Their soul is puffed up or upright in him. But here's the key verse of the entire book. But the just shall live. Say it with me, bye. That's what it comes down to this morning. Your faith. That's what it comes down to this morning. Bottom line, individually, let's just be individuals in this place this morning. What does it come down to before God? When we stand before the Lord, that's what it's going to come down to. It's not going to come down to, hey, I was a good person. I tried." It's going to be your faith in a person, in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace we are saved through faith. And so if you're here this morning, man, and you've never come to that place of displaying faith and turning from your sins, that's the crisis of faith you're in. And there's two roads. You're either alive or you're dead. To those who are alive in Christ, we know that this is a journey. For many, you've walked with the Lord a long time, but there are some of you right now in a waiting season. This is what the Lord has highlighted in my heart all week with these verses. It's one of the hardest things for us to do is to wait. And I want you to see what Habakkuk does. Watch how God changes this man's heart from where he begins to where it ends. And that's our prayer for all of us. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is living, that it is alive, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Lord, this morning we pray the promise of Scripture that your truth will not return void. And so, Lord, may I speak truth this morning, not my words but your words. That is my prayer. And that, Lord, the words by your Holy Spirit will convict, change, and stir the hearts of those in this place. We thank you. Because we believe that this is a divine appointment. Lord, this is not random. It's not a coincidence. Every person in this room, every person in the overflow, every person watching through our live stream, every person, Lord, we believe that there's truth here that we need to proclaim. And your word does not return void. We thank you for Jesus. He changes everything. And because of that, we give you praises. In his name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I remember when I was in seminary, our professors always say, you know, be sensitive to illustrations throughout your week. Like, if you're, if you're preaching something, watch how the Lord will do something. And so this week, as I was thinking about waiting, right, so my son, Thursday night, was a football player for Halloween, a Clemson football player. We're trying to teach him to be a winner. And so we decked him out in a, in a Clemson, uh, not a Redskins or anything like that, right? We, we want him to, to, to be proud. You know, I'm just kidding. So we put him in a, a Clemson jersey. And so Saturday was the big game. He says, Dad, the big game's on Saturday. I'm like, what's the big game? I don't know. It's just a big game. There's no people there, but we're going to Chesapeake City Park because we live right there. I've got a, you know, a little back way that we go to Chesapeake City Park, and there's a field he thinks is our football field. And he says, Dad, the big game's on Saturday at 2. I'm like, have you sent out invitations to this big game? Like, so I look out the window, and I see that there's a craft fair at Chesapeake City Park. And so I looked at him, and I said, well, Tristan, you know, uh, we can't go yet. We have to wait. And he says, how long? And the way he does time is through movies. And so I, I said, two hours, and he'll just look at me. I'll say, one movie. Oh, okay, one movie. Okay, Toy Story. Okay, minute and 40, an hour and 41 minutes. That's how long. And so I knew that, man, if we go over there, this little guy's going to be disappointed. He's going to be upset. Why? Because we walk to this place, and it's not what he thinks it should be. And so I saw myself in my son. I saw myself in my six-year-old son because that's us, right? I mean, we're born that way. When we come up in age, we say, hey, I want this and I want that. And our parents look at us and they say, wait, not now. That's not good for us, right? We live in a world, in a culture, in many ways that embraces that, that fosters that. We've got our phone. Anything we need, we can get it right now. I got frustrated the other night because there were 10 cars in the Chick-fil-A line. Like, I should be used to that, right? I've never pulled to Chick-fil-A when there wasn't 10 cars in the line. And I get it. It's really good. And there's something godly about Chick-fil-A. And so I'm in the line of the drive-thru. And I was complaining. I felt myself complaining that I had to wait for the food that they were cooking me. You know what I thought of? I pointed over there because Kyle was over there. Lesotho. And I thought about these kids that are praying for rain, for their crops, And I'm complaining in the line of Chick-fil-A because there's 10 cars in front. Waiting is not something that comes natural to any of us. And I believe what happens in our Christian lives, and I believe it's one of the greatest disciplines in walking with Christ, is the discipline of waiting. I believe that. So many times in my life, I know that I've come to a place where the Lord has either said no or not now. We get in this place where we're that six-year-old child, and we want it, and we want it now. And I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to step out. Okay, Lord, well, if you ain't going to do it now, then I'll go find my ways. I'll go find my thing. We do not like to wait. And what you find here in the heart of Habakkuk, and I love this, and I pray you hear it this morning, is a man who says, I refuse to take a step until I hear the voice of the Lord. Hear me this morning. There's peace in that to be still and know that he is God, to rest in your chaos, right, Habakkuk, to rest in your chaos, to rest in your struggles, to rest in your doubt, to say, God, even in the midst of all of this, I trust you, I have faith, I will wait. Hey, easier said than done. Look at verse one. Why do we wait? Because we serve a God whose word cannot be broken. Understand that. Verse one, I will stand. That word stand means to stay, to station, to continue. I will put myself there in the watchtower, and watch to see what he will say to me, and I will answer when I am corrected. I love that. I will watch to see what he will say to me. And even in the visual of this, right? I mean, Habakkuk recognizes that he needs an elevated view. He needs to see the situation from a higher perspective. And that's really all of our prayers, right? To be able to say, okay, God, lift my eyes out of this stuff because I'm not going to understand it. Nowhere in here do you tell me I'm going to understand it. But lift my eyes out of this and allow me to see who you are. And if I'm seeing who you are first, it changes the view in front of me. And so here's Habakkuk saying, man, okay, they're coming. You're bringing judgment. You're going to wipe this place out. I don't understand it. I'm going to sit here until I get a word from you. Let me remind you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your what? There's some of you this morning, man, you're trying to understand. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. But don't miss verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I don't know about you. I've been there. Lord, I don't get this. I'm going to fix it myself because obviously you're somewhere else. I mean, we've all been in this place. And the question is, can we wait in this place? The question is, as followers of the Lord, can we say, okay, in my restlessness, I'll stay here and I'll trust you. And Lord, I am not moving until I hear and believe that you're leading. Look at the last part there and what I will answer when I am corrected. I love that. I'll stand my watch. I'll set myself on the wall and I'll watch to see what he'll say to me and I'll answer when I'm corrected. Habakkuk recognizes that God is moving him. God is changing him. And from the very first prayer in chapter one to the prayer in chapter three, we see this transition of this man's heart. Rather than being consumed with all the stuff like we have a tendency to do, he's now consumed with the God who is in control of all the stuff. And that's completely different. We can be consumed with the stuff, or we can be consumed with the God who's working through the stuff. And you see this change in Habakkuk's life, waiting on the Lord. Let me give you some verses. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Some of you need to grab a hold of that this morning. Psalm 33.20, my soul waits for the Lord. He is my help. He is my shield. Psalm 135, I wait for the Lord. Now get this, and in his word do I hope. My confidence is in his word, promises that cannot be broken. He cannot fail. Can I get an amen? Amen. He can't. He can't. He would cease to be God. Understand that? I'm spitting everywhere. He would cease to be God. (laughs) He would cease to be God if he broke one of his promises. And so here is Habakkuk saying, I know you ain't going to break the promise. I don't know how it's going to work, but I will stay right here. And I will wait for the Lord. Because in his word, I hope. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. I love this, Micah 7.7. 7. But as for me, he's making a decision. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me can't break his promises and understand something else this morning. In understanding the attributes of God, he's a promise keeping God. Number two, his timing is perfect. And I don't know about you, I've struggled with the timing of God in my life. But to understand that he's never early, he's never late, his timing is perfect. And if you want to see this in action, see it in Jesus and the disciples. Watch this. Just watch how Jesus, in physical form, ministers these promises and these truths in his relationship with the disciples. He brought them along, right? There were times when he said, you, don't, you can't get this yet. You can't understand this yet. But let me give you what you do understand. And he grew them. As they, what, walked with him. And so again, it's this picture, right? It's this picture on this side of Calvary, on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the fulfillment of the greatest promise in the world, a Savior, God's Son, who came and lived and died and rose again. On this side of the promise, with the physical word of God, more than ever, God's people should say, I stand upon the promises because my God has already fulfilled the greatest promise of all. And my joy is where? Where? my salvation because if it's in anything else it's only a matter of time my joy is in the God of my salvation that regardless of what happens today regardless of what tragedy may enter into my world guess what my joy is fixed my joy is secure because I'm a citizen of heaven. This is not my world, right? This is not my world. I am passing through. And so I have joy in the midst of chaos, pain, and suffering because I know the promise of eternity that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when my eyes are there, I see my gunk differently. I do. When my eyes are on Christ and I'm walking in Christ and I'm seeking truth in God's word and I'm saying, Lord, I pray these promises in my heart and I pray these things that I would see it through this lens. The Lord has a way. And that still small voice, man, just saying, I got you. I'm with you. I ain't gonna leave you. There's so many little subtle things, right, that God will do. As you find a piece of truth in God's word, and when that truth comes to life in your afternoon, someone else may be able to deny the Lord. You can't deny the Lord in that. It's a relationship, right? And what you see in Habakkuk is a back-and-forth relationship, and I think God welcomes that. You see it in David, where, where it almost feels reverent a little bit, where they run to God and say, God, why is your face turned from me? Why don't you hear me? These are the words of David. But I see this where it's a father welcoming a child. It's a father saying, hey, rather than going over there and pitching a fit and having a temper tantrum and doing all that stuff over here, why don't you just rest? Right here in my arms. And I'll let you know what that next step is. And I see this in Habakkuk, right? We wait on God because he always keeps his word. We wait on God because his timing is perfect. Look at verse two. Then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. This is critical. Again, Exodus 20, he's given them the 10 commandments. Here he is now saying, write this down again and we'll get into this more next week because I've got something to say. And so here is Habakkuk in a place to hear God. Now God is responding and this is what he says. Verse 3, notice this phrase. For the vision is yet for a, an appointed time. That's critical. You're going to see this phrase all the time. An appointed time. And it speaks what? Of the sovereignty of God. The timing of of God. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of Galatians, where Paul speaks kind of a similar word. Galatians 4.4, 4, when he speaks of Jesus, right, in the coming of the Redeemer, he says this, but when the fullness of time, kind of the same phrase, appointed time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In the perfect timing of God, God sent forth his son. Now he is telling Habakkuk, in the appointed time, this will happen. I love that, because you see the control of the Lord in this. Even in the chaos of what he's getting ready to do in judgment, he is saying, Listen, I am controlling all of it. The words of Isaiah 100 years earlier for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and bring it forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Here it is, verse 11. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please, it shall prosper in the things for which I send it. That is my prayer each week that you hear truth. My words are not promised to not return void. God's word is. Can I get an amen? So let's look at it. He says this, verse four. Behold the proud. Here's the contrast of the Babylonians to his people. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. He speaks of a puffed up soul, a proud soul. And what is he saying? When you see that, you don't see the Lord. You see someone filled with pride, self-centeredness, selfishness, where's the Lord? What does he say? The just shall live by the Bible says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And to be quite honest with you, you can't come to faith in Christ until that happens. Until you recognize the debt that you owe because of your personal sins to a holy God. Remove everyone else in this room, just you and the Lord. And when that truth hits you, And there's grace, right? Grace and mercy and freedom and and excitement, right? Why should we worship? Why should there be freedom? Why should we praise the name of Jesus? Because what we deserve, he took for us. And because he took it for us, we have the promise to be sons and daughters of the king for all of eternity. And when our eyes are set there, when our eyes are looking through that lens, we see our struggles, we see our chaos, we see our sorrow, we see our pain, but we rest because God is in control. We rest because his timing is perfect. And the just shall live by his faith. What you're dealing with this morning is faith. And I don't know what it is, but I can tell you straight up it's faith. You're at a place and I don't know what it is. And the Lord is saying, you either trust me or you go do your own thing. And I've gone down that road plenty of times. It's a dead end. And the great lie, I've said it before, is if you're down that road, and some of you may be there this morning, the enemy will lie to you and say, man, you've got to take a thousand steps back to the Lord. You're a one step away from the Lord. One step away. And so you see this in Habakkuk, right? I mean, he's, he's changing The situation is not changing, it's getting worse. But he's changing. God is changing him on the inside to see what's happening in a different way, right? That's our prayer. That's my prayer. Correct my thinking. He says that, renew my mind, right? The words of Paul in Romans 12. Lord, let me see through the lens of truth, not through the lens of feeling. Our emotions are even my selfish and sinful flesh. Man, it will always go the wrong direction. So, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me truth in the midst of lies to see beyond. Y'all aren't chaos, by the way. I keep pointing down here like y'all are some big storm or ditch or something. I'm just looking down the middle. Y'all know that, right? Carl, you know that? Although you got some issues. I know. We'll deal with those later. I'm just kidding, Carl. I love you. I've known Carl since I was 12, so y'all don't talk to him after the service. All right, so listen. Listen. The goal is to get to what? Look at chapter 3. We're going to go there. Look at chapter 3. Look at what God does. And we're going to deal with all the vision and the appointed time and the five woes. We'll get to that as we work through what God is saying to Habakkuk. But the point is to move to the place where we can get to chapter 3, verse 17, where Habakkuk claims these words. Listen to this. Though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail in the field, you know, though the flock may be cut off from the field and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... Yet, we talked about it last week, yet, I will rejoice because my joy is not in those things, but my joy is in the God of my salvation. And he says what? The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk in high heels. He says, I... (laughs) That's not what he says. (laughs) Let me just quote the song that we sung all morning. Jesus changes everything. Changes everything. And the reason that we can laugh and have fun in this place, right? Jesus changes everything. And when you've been saved and redeemed and you have the promise of eternal life, you're not, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I stumble. I sin every day. But the holy living God lives inside of me in his Holy Spirit. And to know that I am his and that my life, my situation, this world, the enemy can do nothing to snatch me from the hand of my God, amen? Amen. That's Jesus, right? Jesus changes everything. So what I want you to hear is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know this Savior? And listen, on this side of the cross, we see the fulfillment of a God who keeps his promises. How much more should we on this side of the resurrection be able to look back and say, I will stand. I will not move. I will stay here, God, because you are perfect. Your timing is perfect, and your power goes beyond anything that stands before me. His word will not return void. I want you to listen to this. I ask you right where you are just to bow your heads, okay? If his word will not return void, I pray some of you will grab a hold of these truths. I'm just going to read a couple verses to you, wherever you may be. The Lord's laid these verses on my heart. And I pray that the Lord will take them and just allow them to sink deep into the cracks and corners of whatever it is that you're walking through. Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the lord shall renew their strength these are truths here they shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not be faint lamentations 325 the lord is good to those who wait for him listen to the soul who seeks him isaiah 3018 therefore the lord waits to be gracious to you and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you listen to this for the lord is a god of justice blessed are those Blessed are you who wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage. I love this, Psalm 134. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, here it is, and in his word I do hope. Because it can't be broken. My soul waits for the Lord. Paul says, let us not grow weary, because in due season, there's the phrase, God's perfect time, and we will reap, but it's faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11, the conviction of things not seen. Psalm 52, 9, I will thank you forever, because you have done it. Listen, I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the Almighty, Isaiah 25, 9, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. James 1, 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Steadfast under his trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Psalm 62, 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Listen to this right here, Romans 12. Paul says this, rejoice in hope. Hear this, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Listen to those three things. Where are you at today? Rejoice in hope. That's fixed, right? That's Christ. That's God's word, the promises. Rejoice in hope. That can't change. Be patient in tribulation. But man, be constant in prayer. To be able to say the words of David... The same one who cried out, why are you turning your face from me? God moved him to a place to say these words. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, a solid rock, making my steps secure. I love this. He put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth. Not a song of pain or a song of sorrow or a song of bitterness, but he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Hear this. Blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. David says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. What a, that's a prayer right there. I'm going to invite you right where you are to stand, if you will. We're, we're going to go to the Lord, and I want you guys to lead us in that song, man. I just think it's so powerful, and this is what we're going to do. Again, faith. Listen, if you're here this morning, whether you're in here or you're in the overflow or you're watching online, listen, it's a crisis of faith. So let me ask you a serious question, Right? If today's your appointed time, and that's before the foundations of the earth that set, no one can touch that. Appointed time to be born, appointed time to die. That is in the sovereignty of God. If today's your appointed time, can you stand in the confidence of knowing that you're covered in the blood of Jesus King? It's a simple question. And there's not 25 steps to take. There's one step to take. For by grace, you have been saved through, Lord, I believe in you. I trust you. I turn from my sins and by faith, no magic words, no magic act in my heart. I profess your son, Jesus. I can't see him. I can't touch him. But by faith, I believe in him. He lived, he died, and he rose again. Man, that's our prayer. We want to be about the gospel. We have our spiritual team, our pastors here. Man, don't leave this place. To believers in this place, crisis of faith. And here's the the question, can we wait on the Lord? All right, Nolan, if you would lead us. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. And Lord, as we sing these words, Lord, this is the cry of our heart because of what you've done. And so, Lord, today we have hope because we know that we serve a risen Savior, that you first loved us and you demonstrated that love by providing a substitute for our sins. So right now, Lord, we proclaim these words and we praise you because we're fixed in Christ and we wait on you your timing is perfect we give you praises in jesus we pray and all god's people said